Australian-born rapper Iggy Azalea launched into A-list stardom at the start of 2014 with her song Fancy, written by both Azalea and pop standout Charlie XCX. The track became a chart-topping sensation, landing at number one on the Billboard Hot 100, and eventually being crowned Spotify's most streamed song in America of 2014. Structurally, there's nothing wrong with Fancy. Its Song of the Summer-sounding chorus plays well off of Azalea's novice-level rhymes that line the track's three verses. The resounding success of the song, coupled with Azalea's unapologetic attitude and how hard she claimed to have worked for her success, raised some eyebrows, however. After a Twitter spat with Harlem-based rapper Azalea Banks, rapper and producer Q-Tip, of A Tribe Called Quest, stepped in. In a series of tweets, Tip noted that although hip-hop can take form as anything from dance music to, in his words, vile music, it can never be separated from its roots as a socio-political movement, something that he felt Iggy Azalea failed to comprehend. Q-Tip's entire career has been driven by a call to change. Despite production credits on Nas's Illmatic, Mob Deep's The Infamous, and a pair of tracks on Jay-Z and Kanye West's Watch the Throne, it is his work fronting a tribe called Quest that will forever be his calling card. Alongside Fife Dog, the Queen Spawn rap group has received nearly universal critical acclaim for their discography, and after the mainstream success of The Low End Theory in 1991, they found themselves needing a much grittier, much more intense follow-up two years later. Midnight Marauders has no rough edges. It's constantly poetic and prophetic, with messages that were as urgent then as they are now. And for that, Midnight Marauders remains an art school album. Hello, this is your Midnight Marauder program. I'm on the front of your cover. I will be enhancing your cassettes and CDs with certain facts that you may find beneficial. The average bounce meter for your Midnight Marauder program will be in the area of 95 BPM. We hope that you will find our presentation precise, bass heavy, and just right. Thanks. My guest today, Long, tan, and handsome, an incredibly nice guy, a New York Knicks fan, which we're going to get into a little bit. It can't be, you know, it's it's not easy for all of us in the pandemic, but it especially can't be easy for him. Not even getting an invite to the bubble. It's got to be so bad. My guest today is Jack Pogan. Thanks for coming on the show. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here. And honestly, that comment about the Knicks just made me sweat right now. (laughs) It's tough. It's real tough being getting the eighth pick. It's only up from here. That's what I could say, because I'm literally below the ground as an institution. I love like NBA Instagram edits of like, you know, photoshopping LeBron onto a Celtics jersey. And like, what if the king went to Boston? And I just love that a year ago it was photoshopping Kyrie, KD and Zion in Knicks jerseys. Or like Madison Square Garden doesn't know what's about to hit them. And they ended up with DeAndre uh, Jordan and RJ Barrett. How does that make you feel? Oh, it feels honestly better. I thought we were going to end up with like Zaza Pachulia. I thought we were going to end up with everybody worse than like what we had. So like given we our Julius Randle was our best pick and our best player at the time. Like I was like, you know, honestly, that seems pretty like Knicks. That's all I can say. Jack, I, I, I don't want to pile on, but you are from Florida. Is that correct? Yeah, I was born in New York, born in Albany, like upstate New York. And that's where I kind of like fell in love with New York sports. Then I moved to Florida and realized that Florida sports are worse than New York sports. <laughs> so I kind of like the Tampa Bay Bucks. I kind of like the Rays, but it's not like a love relationship like the Yankees, like the Knicks, like the New York Giants, stuff like that. Socially, you're in a unique position where you can say you're a Knicks fan and you can also say that you were from or at least grew up in Florida. And I can't imagine two things I would like to uh, uh, admit less than those things in 2020. (laughs) That seems like it's tough for you. Thank you for soldiering through that. I will gladly and proudly say that I am from Florida, America's asshole. We are literally the punchline of every joke in the country. Uh, it's not great. I saw people uh, proudly taking off their masks in a Target. Uh, it was the equivalent of 
a few 12 year old boys having a sleepover and drinking too much soda and making too much noise. It wasn't, I, I don't think it was the political revolution they were hoping for, but no. it certainly exists. They became memes. Anti-maskers is an absolute meme now. And it came from Florida, where else? I just saw a video of an alligator biting a clamp that had like pink spray on it for a gender reveal party. And I was like, where did this happen? Florida, Florida. Oh, Jack. Well, I, I empathize with you there, but the good news is it's not all bad for you. You recently got engaged. Obviously, uh, uh, the press release is now. Let the people know <laughs> how did it go? How did it come about? How good does it feel to have that monkey off your back? Oh, it felt amazing. I was thinking about it for a year prior to actually doing it. Like, uh, I was just planning planning, planning, like talking to her parents, making sure that everything worked out. I got the ring from family heirlooms. And then the pandemic happened, which I don't want to say like, it ruined my opportunity. Like that's very selfish. I still found a way to make it happen. Of course, uh, there's way worse problems in the world right now <laughs> than what I was facing. But um, it went like as perfect as it possibly could have went. Uh, just walked right outside her apartment, popped the question, had a really nice dinner. And then we moved up here literally a day later, moved up to Chicago and started our lives in this apartment. So it's been it's been smooth sailing from there. And I appreciate it. Thank you. That's sick as hell, Jack. I, I got to know as someone that, you know, let's let, let's just say I hope to be married one day uh, and, and when <laughs> and if that moment, I can't say when, but if that moment does occur, the only thing I want to be responsible for when it comes to my wedding is one paying for it and two the wedding playlist and i yeah. need to know are we gonna find any a tribe called quest on your wedding playlist <laughs> uh, that is the the group we're here to talk about today and i'm curious to see is there a romantic uh tribe song that i do not know about one that can maybe get some people on the dance floor wow that is a great question and by the way it is when not if you get married this thank is you very when. much jack Fogan. a huge a seal of confidence you're an absolute catch case and i would say honestly on this album we could we could go with electric relaxation that can be on there i'd say that's on the wedding playlist everyone will be confused but it'll be on there I have just a lot of old white folks. That's that's kind of my, my fear wedding. as well. Is like I'm gonna go deep into some like country western romantic songs, or maybe even you know a man like Fifty Cent has very romantic music. Do I want to expose older white people to that? That is, I, I'm not sure. I, I'm at a bit of bit of a dilemma there. They could benefit from 21 questions. They could exactly. benefit from that song. That they is, really could. That is the <laughs> shit. I mean, 50 and Nate Dog brought it on that track. And I love Jack, it. That's why we're here. We're two white dudes that love hip hop. And <laughs> I I want to know uh, early foundations into rap. Who do you remember hearing? How are you exposed to it? I mean, we grew up in the 21st century. It's not like uh, people were shielding rap music away from us. But who do you remember really making an impression on you at a young age? Wow, uh, this sounds pretty like quintessential, but I remember Eminem was really big at the time that I was young and was like, who's this? And turned it on and it was like one of the most vile, cruel songs you could possibly think of. And I was like, I kind of like the beats though. I thought the beats were always like very uplifting and very just more fast paced than a lot of the stuff that I was listening to. I was listening to a lot of like classic rock before I found hip hop. And then that kind of became my primary like genre of music so it was eminem and then i then i like trickled into 50 cent then i went back a little bit more to like tupac and biggie it was more recently that i figured out who a tribe called quest was like as a group which i was more surprised by because they're like one of the grandfathers of classic hip-hop and and rap music so it was like it was i was obviously really happy when i was able to discover them but it was more like classic and then um, I started to like more modern artists too, but I don't like the really new age of hip hop where it's a lot of mumble rap and they, I don't really understand it very much. I just, I'm not hip enough, I guess. I, I sometimes worry about that because I think we had very similar foundations. And, and I do think, especially looking back on I, I was at a point over the summer, odd summer to choose this, but I was listening to a lot of Eminem this summer. And 
was just so intrigued by his career where again a lot of it is is vile and also he's always had an affinity for horror movies and slasher films and stuff that I'm just not fundamentally into but mm-hmm. there's another layer of especially like Eminem's first three albums that is a bit more traditional in the hip hop structure and it's just very interesting and it's weird kind of deciphering between those two sides of early Eminem and then anything post 2009 onwards I typically choose to ignore uh, with the exception of a few songs that I think are all right but I'm not going to publicly defend them I would never have a reputation (laughs) to uphold but when it comes to newer hip-hop like I I try to not say like oh hip-hop is dead or hip-hop was was better then just because I know in scenes that I'm more well-versed in whether it be you know just the punk scene in general or just guitar-driven music a lot of music journalists and a lot of people that I find to be lazy will say, well, guitar music's dead, like it's just not what it once was. And then I will say, well, actually, and then give them 25 bands that just maybe don't have the commercial appeal that, mm-hmm. you know, the imagined dragons of the world do. But there's still there's still very good music out there. And I'm just not connected to the hip hop scene enough to know who those artists are in the in the modern world. But I'm sure they're out there to some extent. One person that is not necessarily lumped into that group is Jake Paul. And I was just listening <laughs> to Jake Paul's new song, 23, and was listening to this album and then went on YouTube to check something and saw it. I don't subscribe, but I got the recommended video that Jake Paul had. A, had a we all do. <laughs> we all do somehow. I got, I got I got the recommended video and it was just it was really weird thinking that a tribe called Quest and Jake Paul are technically doing the same thing like it's the right. same genre but just the skill level of it is just an entirely different ball game yep exactly no i couldn't agree more on youtube there's also another 15 year old youtuber who has a song his name's justin roberts i think he's part of that whole jake paul team 10 thing he's got a song called six figures i was only four <laughs> and he calls it he literally just sings that the whole time. He calls that hip hop and rap, just as Jake Paul calls that song 23 hip hop and rap. But going back on your point with like, I'm not really connected in that hip hop community either, where I find like, oh, this is this is the hip hop that I'm into. I end up, I'm pretty lazy myself. So I'll end up just like saying, oh, Big Sean has an album out. This feels like hip hop again, because he has skits and he has like really exciting features. And there's actually a structure to his album versus the same crazy fast paced stuff that I'm not used to. So there are little gems in there, but I'm just, I guess I'm too lazy to go looking, you know? Well, and and I think to your point, I'm so comfortable with the foundation of rap that I have. You know, I was raised from a very early age on Jay-Z. We just passed the 19th anniversary of The Blueprint, which I, I do think is the greatest rap album ever. I, really? Yeah. The the Blueprint is, is a rare album in which the biggest star of a particular genre also put out the best album like of the year or of the press cycle or whatever of that particular genre. And it's just a weird uh, mix of, you know, obviously songs like Izzo, huge commercial hits. uh, And then, you know, everything else on that album is just like true hip hop. Like, like Jay, you know, was criticized for being too pop at one point. He kind of took it back to the streets there and created just what I think is the perfect blend of commercially friendly hip hop and also, you know, the essence of of the battle and the streets of New York and this and that. And I think Jay Jay crushed it there. And then I'm also, Mm. and I've talked about this on a few episodes of how much I love, especially I look at the demarcation point as pre-Katrina Southern hip hop and specifically like Cash Money, uh, Lil Wayne, Birdman, Manny Fresh, Juvenile. I love that shit. I, I yeah. really uh, have, a, have a strong connection to it despite not really having anything in common with those guys. Right, but it's always on a playlist. It's, you know what I mean? They're the best. Like I, I, I mm-hmm. think... You know, that early cash money work just because it's, you know, early Internet, it's not it's, you know, the Internet's there, but it's early Internet. It just stood out as just a a cultural moment. And it was Mm -hmm. just different than anything else that was happening. And it felt true to the South. It felt really special. Do you have an affinity towards, you know, old school East Coast hip hop or gangster rap on the West Coast or Southern hip hop? Do you have any sort of preference when it comes to the sound and what coast you're representing? I that's a great question. I represent I represent personally <laughs> on, behalf, on behalf of the South. <laughs> I'd like to personally say my favorite hip hop stylings. 
<laughs> I I really gravitate toward the East Coast stuff a lot. Uh, New York, like I like um, Flatbush Zombies now, but I also find myself gravitating toward uh, South Rap, like uh, Big Crit. I really like Big Crit. Um, those artists still make stuff like nowadays, but uh, don't really stick to that like modern style that's happening right now, which I which I enjoy. Um, but I will say like the New York scene's my favorite. It has to be. And what you said about Jay-Z too is, I will say he's like one of the best, like he has some of the best instrumentals of all time. He's, just he's incredible. From what he's able to sample, like I love, I love listening to just the instrumentals and then I'll listen again for his lyrics. It's just, it's awesome. I feel very at home on the West Coast. I like the heat. I'm a desert person. I, I just, Ooh. I like it a lot out there. But when it comes to hip hop and pizza, I do think the East Coast does it better. Mm. Uh, there was a point in my life I think three Christmases in a row where I received a different notorious B.I.G. T-shirt every year. And this is like sixth, seventh and eighth grade. This is a 12 year old case low in the middle of Indiana <laughs> coming in hard to English class with a big notorious B.I.G. shirt. Being like this is my shit, because I think a lot of people know me as. Uh, again, someone that typically gravitates towards the punk and emo scenes. But mm -hmm. for most of my life. I was really, really into hip hop, and it's only over the past five years or so that the majority of what I listen to has shifted a little bit. But between Jay Z and Biggie and Gang Stars, a group that I just never think uh, they get the appreciation that, that they deserve, uh, mm. yeah, East Coast hip hop is where it's at. In a tribe called Quest, a, a group that you said you just recently or somewhat recently, recently. discovered them. Yeah. So please explain how you got into a tribe. Um, so like we have this playlist on Pandora when we're working out, it's just called classic hip hop. I'm like, cool. So most defs on there. I think I had most def as the, the artist to like refer to. And then I kept hearing, um, awards tour the song. I was like, what is this song? It plays on every NBA 2K video game. I need to know what it is because it's so catchy. It's so good. And then I was like, A Tribe Called Quest. Oh, my God. The rapper Logic that I listen to, I don't think he's fantastic. I think he does rip off A Tribe Called Quest a lot, but he refers to A Tribe Called Quest. And that's when I'm like, oh my God, let me just look them up. And I just shuffled all their discographies, basically, like every single track. And just, I never had to skip any of them. Like they, everything just, it was just something to move to. It was really, really, really like, I just enjoy it. I think uh, that will be a common theme on this episode as we break down Midnight Marauders, the Tribe Called Quest album that came out on November 9th, 1993 mm. is... A, a almost a painful consistency there's really no great dips in quality one could argue they never really spike either it is just 14 songs 51 minutes of like this is good i'm enjoying this i like this <laughs> song and then the next album comes up, it's like well this is good too like i i like this and i and i think to tackle this album uh, there's 14 songs in here. We're going to kind of bounce around a little bit. I want to look at the singles first. There were three singles off of this album. The aforementioned award tour, Electric Relaxation, and Oh My God, which featured Busta Rhymes. Jack, from those three songs, uh, which one stood out to you the most as something that, you know, made you want to listen to more uh, Tribe? Mm, it was it was definitely award tour. But then when I listened to this album, I really liked Oh My God, because I was like Busta Rhymes. What a familiar he's a familiar name. He's also featured on the song just being the guy screaming, Oh, my God. You're like, oh, wow, this is intense. I love it. Uh, so I just I think that uh, Oh, My God, that song, um, it could play also on any 2K video game, any sports video game. It just has that really catchy beat. So. I really enjoyed that one out of all three. I think that is a great point about Busta Rhymes. He typically lends himself to sports-themed settings. Now, I will say before I make my next point, uh, oh my God, for as much as I like Busta Rhymes, for as much as I like this album, 
I, that it just did not it did not click for me. It was one that I was like, man, it's it's Busta Rhymes. I'm looking forward to this, and it just never mm-hmm. got there. I do, however, greatly value Busta Rhymes, and particularly the song "Break Your Neck," which I don't know if you're familiar with. Oh yes. But, so I think the greatest opportunity in the world for entertainment is the 15 minutes before an NBA game starts. I think the in-arena live entertainment is you it, anything is possible. I, I get excited thinking about it. I'm not going to say it's an issue, but the fact is they play a little safe. They cater towards families. They want to make sure everybody feels comfortable at this at these games. I think that is the wrong approach to take. My dream in life is for the Indiana Pacers to make the NBA Finals, which happened once when I was one years old, and I really hope it happens again. My dream is for the NBA, Indiana Pacers to make the NBA Finals, and I want to choreograph the dance that the Indiana Pacemates, third cheerleaders, I want to choreograph the dance that the Indiana <laughs> Pacemates do to Busta Rhymes, Break Your Neck. And I want everybody, whoever they're playing, if it's the Lakers, if it's the Clippers, I don't care who it is, I want everyone in Indiana to be ready to fight someone. I want it to be the most intense thing ever, and I think Busta Rhymes' Break Your Neck is the soundtrack to do it to. Mm-hmm. Jack, I don't know if you've ever thought about perhaps orchestrating an entire NBA dance routine. I'm not asking you to do that. I would just like uh, perhaps a soundboard off of my idea that I just so bravely shared with you. Wow. I would definitely... Snoop Dogg's already given us blueprints. I don't know if you saw that Kansas basketball game where he had literally strippers on there at halftime. And that was so cool Dogg, as shit. And Snoop got was. in trouble. And it's like, what what do you his what do you want from him? What yeah. what did you think he was going to do? He's in college. He's actually appealing to the college kids, in my honest opinion. I would have Snoop. I would have a famous Snoop Dogg song. And it depends on whoever's in the finals, though. Like if it's an LA team, if it's a California team, chances are it would be at this point. Because you got you got either Golden State, you got uh, L.A. Lakers. The Clippers had it, but they choked. Big I don't want to talk bubble. about it. I'm super upset about it. As that someone tough. that likes to interject Kawhi Leonard as best player in the NBA, whatever possible, that was that was a tough series for me. That was Paul that George was rough. gave him no help though. Paul well, George gave him zero help. Unfortunately, look, I've seen my fair share of Paul George playoff games. Fair. I'm just gonna say it didn't surprise me. I just I saw where that was going and I was like, yeah, I I've seen this before. I know exactly what's happening right now. Calls himself playoff PG. <laughs> it was why him entering the playoffs called like I'm playoff P. And we were like, dude, we have your basketball reference page. Come on. Like, don't yeah. don't make us do this. You it gotta was win first, man. You got to win the, the championship for us to be like, yes, playoff P. Yeah, let's go. It was a wow. it was a it was a false judgment. Uh, maybe unlike the song "Electric Relaxation," the second single on the record, one that you know upbeat, kind of nice to dance to. I, I will say the story of the song, and I will read this from an XXL interview uh, with Fife Dog from A Tribe Called Quest. He said, I came home from some type of trip and I walked into the kitchen and, you know, Q-tips in the basement and all you could hear was this music coming up and all I heard was that. I didn't even say hello to my grandmother or whoever was in the house. I was just like, hold on! And went downstairs, said, yo, what the hell is that? He was like, yo, this shit is crazy, right? And it just became what it is now. On the record, he wrote my lines and I actually wrote his lines. So we wrote our lines and then swapped notebooks and that's how the song came to be uh, an incredible story for a song that ended up becoming a huge hit that's super cool i didn't know that i i do love some of fife's punchlines, but i guess q-tip wrote them so the one that kills me this one's really dirty i apologize oh, please. already <laughs> please go ahead he says uh bust off your couch now you got siemens furniture i was like come on I mean, that's as corny as it gets. Yeah, it's corny as it gets, but I love it. So I didn't know he was that motivated by just the instrumental. And like this, this instrumental is used in like modern day rap songs. J. Cole uses it for Forbidden Fruit. I think Kendrick's on that song too. I could be wrong, but one of the singles that J. Cole has on one of the albums, couldn't tell you, Born Sinner, I think it's what it is, but uh, it's called Forbidden Fruit and he uses this beat. So I love it. The instrumentals on this album are really strong. They they take from jazz a lot, and I am I am on record as saying I think jazz as a genre, waste of time, do not need it, not a fan. But when it is infused with hip hop, 
uh, when we have our jazz raps, our Pete Rocks and CL Smooths, our Gang Stars, our Tribe Called Quest, I think it is incredibly efficient. Was there a song on this record? I'm going to put you on the spot here, and it's okay if you don't have an answer. But was sure. there a song on this record that the instrumental really jumped out to you as something rich and something interesting? Oh, wow. Uh, so I'd say... I'd say this, the track Midnight is one of the songs where it changes a little bit. It, the, the instrumental almost um, embodies what Q-Tip is saying in the song. It's, it's kind of a darker, it's kind of a darker uh, beat or a darker instrumental too, because a lot of the other songs are very uplifting, very jazz heavy, like you said. And I love how they just turn the beats per minute up a little bit. And everyone's like, I like jazz now. <laughs> it's, it's way more fun than the boring old shit. Uh, and um, yeah, I would say "Midnight" for me was the, was the was the instrumental that like stuck out for me mostly, just because of the way that it was able to like couple with what Q-Tip was saying. Well, I'll go one better. I, I agree with you on the instrumental. I would say maybe "Midnight" is my favorite song on the album. It is nice. It is one that you know, uh, given uh, as as they say in the song, you know, so so you left your work at home, so they pat you down for nothing. Why the hell does ten four keep fronting? Obviously, feels very apt to what a, a lot of what we're going through now. I just think narratively, if you look at a song from start to finish on this record, Midnight is the one that jumps out as, you know, wow, they they really got their point across. It's incredibly well done. I think every verse is solid. Every rhyme is strong. I really like it. Uh, the the one drawback for me is that I go to bed at eleven thirty, so I don't really know uh, uh, this life at all. I, I'm I'm a, I'm in bed by that time. Uh, anybody that knows me knows I have turned down opportunities to perform because I'm like, well, what time does the show start? They're like ten thirty. I'm like, no fucking chance. I don't. I don't. Yeah, I'm do not going that. out. No, okay. Jack. When when are you going to bed these days? Make me feel oh. better about myself. Oh, oh, trust me. I'm going to better. I'm going to bed right around the same time you are. I really am. So it's around 1130 midnight at the latest. And I'm having I'm having herbal tea at 10 p.m. I'm drinking digest tea to help my stomach relax so I can pass out. That's the level I'm at as far as like old person goes. But I saw you legitimately bring seven up to a party before. Oh, so yes. You, yeah. You go there. You you are absolutely on the mature man grind. And I love it. Well, I don't drink alcohol, which is. It just it's just a choice I've made. It means nothing. It's, it's a healthy no, choice. It's, yeah. It, well, it's a financially smart choice more than anything. But very true. My move is yes. That typically I will show up to parties with my backpack, and in that backpack will be three to four sprites. I will have <laughs> two of them. And typically I've learned that I, you know somebody's gonna want one, and somebody's gonna have an upset stomach. So you kind of share the wealth a little bit there. Not saying I'm a hero. I'm just saying I've learned from history that these are the kind of things <laughs> you need to do. Uh, I. Jack, I hate to get so personal, but I'm intrigued by this tea as someone that has been having uh, not not even stomach troubles, but just some intense nausea feelings towards mm. the end of the day lately. Is this, Could this tea help me at all? Please talk about your tea. We need to let you know right now that the Republic of Tea is not a sponsor of this, but if they'd like to be, they need to reach out. But the Republic of Tea is the place to go. It is the shit. There's super digest teas varying from different flavors like pomegranate, vanilla, ginger. I love the vanilla one personally. And they just have everything you need. They have probiotics that help your gut. I had I had two, not one, but two butt surgeries in my life. And it's all because of my stomach. So turns out I need something to help. <laughs> and this is the thing for me. So I found I found herbal tea is the way to go. I would look at the Republic of Tea. I'll actually send you links, Case. I'll I send would you love links. That. As, I, I'll send you hot links right now. I typically don't like tea, but I'm willing to make a sacrifice if it, if it improves uh, my bodily situation, at least in one front, because there's a whole lot of issues going on there. But I would like to ease the pain uh, perhaps slightly. I will... Mm. Redirect us back to the top of the album now, and we do get a nice little 45-second uh, narrative builder with the Midnight Marauders tour guy, with start, which starts off the album. But the first real song is a song called Steve Biko, Stir It Up. It, I, I know from the start with the horns and the drum beat, I know I'm in the mood for a good jazz hip-hop record at this point, and specifically the line... Uh, that comes out halfway through the song when they ask, why are they dodging bullets? You should be dodging Quest. There is something just so uniquely hip-hop to that. The intensity is unapologetic, and I just I, I just love that line. I, I really enjoyed the song, but that line just jumped out to me as something just 
different that I just don't think any other genre can really get away with the cockiness and the aggression of it. It's something that I look for in hip-hop. I like my DMXs. I like when Jay-Z gets a little bit more real. Uh, Jack, do you prefer the more mellow jams of hip-hop, something a little closer to R&B, or do you do you gravitate towards this intensity? Because you yourself are a very calm man. Oh, yeah. I definitely gravitate more toward the relaxing beats. I like something to, that's just an easy listen for, the, for most of the time. But something that, like... I can get in a mood where I do want to listen to something a little bit more abrasive and real and honest and, and raw. And I do think this song not only does something like as far as the instrumentals concerned with like keeping it a little relaxing, but it's also a bit, it's also a great way to start the album. And uh, I didn't know that Steve Bicka was all about anti-oppression and it's super relevant. I mean, it's always relevant, but it's even more relevant today. And I thought that that's kind of interesting how, it's almost a timeless message in the first song and it's it, the beats just really easy to listen to for me. And I do think the subject matter is really impactful. So that's a really good way to start. Um, yeah, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's a great way to start the record. And then from there you hit award tour. And then after that, it's 8 million stories, uh, which in the song empire state of mind to bring it back to Jay-Z when Jay-Z references the 8 million stories out there in the naked, this is the song that he's referring to. Went to Carville to get a milkshake. This honey ripped me off for all my loop kicks. The car, oh yeah, there's money in my jacket. Somebody broke into my ride and co-macked it. Yo, Chip, I tell you, man, the devil's trying it. But I'm gonna stay strong, cause I ain't buying it. Tonight I'm taking Sherry out, I don't have jack to wear. You know I got to look dipped in the fresh to gear. Ooh, I found something, so I ironed it. I think I caught up on the phone, oh shit, I'm frying it. Will someone tell me what did I do to deserve this? I think I'll pull out my seat for Sunday service. My little brother wants Barney, cool, I'm getting it. Took him down to KB, they ain't selling it. Here we go with the crime, yo, we throwing fits. My blood pressure's blowing up, I can't take the shit. I, I hate to bring this up again, but I do have to read you a line in the song in which they say, everybody knows I go to Georgia often, got on the flight and I ended up in Boston. With all these trials and tribulations, yo, I've been affected. And to top it all off, Starks got ejected. Jack, the, the the Knicks can't even escape torture when it comes to, to early 90s hip-hop at the height of the Knicks dominance. It's just, it's tough. They ha that's The fact is that they call that the Knicks dominance just makes me sad because the only thing they really had going for them was Patrick Ewing. And Starks was like this flashier guy. He was good. He was a scorer. But then like the next era was Stefan Marbury. And like, they're just trying to like live in this glamorous I think I think you bubble. have skipped over the legacy of Alan Houston, which means you have made the correct decision. Uh. I do think we go Starks, <laughs> Houston, Barberry. What difference does that make? I do not know. Uh, yeah. That's just that's very it's very tough because you yourself, you know, you seem like someone at least if I looked at you on the street, I would think that dude is successful. Nice hair, oh, nice facial you. hair. I I don't know if you do, but you do look like the type of guy that would rock a very classy gold chain. And then you've got, you know, oh, the Knicks <laughs> and the Yankees, but I'm just, I'm going to look past that because I like you. Jack, do you have a football team that you care about? And please tell me it's the Giants and not the Jets. Oh, it's the New York Giants. Okay. It's absolutely the New All York right. Giants. That makes me feel oh. a little bit better. Yeah, we got, we got our asses handed to us by the Steelers, but that was expected because the Steelers look insane this year. Their defense looks like probably easily the best in the league. Um, who's your team? Who's your team for football? I'm an L.A. Rams fan, okay. so I, I go uh, obviously loyal to the 317 in Indiana when it comes to basketball. Big Pacers fan. When it comes to the other sports, though, I go out west. I'm a big Dodgers fan and a big Rams fan. Can't entirely explain why. It is just it is just the way I have been created, Jack Pogan. And <laughs> the L.A. Rams, you know, I really thought two years ago we were against the Patriots in the Super Bowl. I, I have never I've never seen a championship in my life. The Pacers have not gotten there. The Dodgers have been to numerous World Series and have not won. I really thought when it was Rams Patriots, I was going to get just that feeling of joy. This team that I trust, yeah. this team that I invest in. 
and that did not happen. But I do really like our team this year. I was stoked uh, when we rightfully beat the Cowboys. I do not want to hear about that pass interference call. You handled it. You absolutely handled, handled them. it. And yes, that was not controversial by any means. Gallup was pushing. End of Thank story. Thank you, Jack Pogan. This is why you're on the podcast. Not I'm, just an anti- I'm an anti-Cowboys <laughs> guy. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just anti-Cowboys. You validate my football opinions, and I appreciate <laughs> it. Uh, one thing... That we've talked about a lot is just the instrumentation on this record, sort of the the jazzy hip-hop vibe to it. I I might have this incorrect, but were you at one point in a fraternity? No. 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 Okay. Because I was going to ask, these sounds seem a little bit different than the frat house rap playlist but uh, I had misinformation, so I'd like to apologize for labeling you as a frat bro. That's okay. I look the part. It's I literally is spiky haired, brown haired, straight white dude with a little bit of stubble. I mean, I I could listen to a little Uzi Vert, and then all of a sudden I'm in a frat. That's it. But I I just can't. I I couldn't be a part of it. I liked my herbal tea back then too, and I like to go to bed at a reasonable hour. Those guys just don't seem to take care of their health. They're up they're up really late, and they're very disrespectful people. <laughs> not it's, all frat guys. I don't no, want to put but, everybody. But, not all frat guys, but just remember, Jack, it is one Lil Uzi Vert song away uh, from happening to you. <laughs> it is a slippery slope, my friend. I would just like to remind you of that. I don't want that happening to you. Uh, as Thank we you. Can, uh, yes, please. As we continue to go along the album, uh, there is a song on here. It is track five. We will call that song Suckers on this album. I do not think Jack and I, two white men, are the people to break down the nuances of this song, but it was an enjoyable track, one that I liked listening to. Yep, Q-Tip kills the track here. I love it. it it's just, it's very, it's very uh, high energy and uplifting because 8 Million Stories is a bit of a, it's a bit of a depressing track, to be honest. It's very true and, and like, Fife just has the worst day of his life on 8 Million Stories. Just everything goes wrong. He's like burning his clothes that's it's, only the beginning it's literally of it. 8 million stories is the predecessor to Daniel Powder's had a bad day. Like it is just <laughs> everything going wrong for five and he can't break the chain. Mm, it's so depressing because it keeps looping. And like, I just, I just listen to this track and I feel bad, but then you go to suckers and it's like, it's, it's very uplifting and then kind of changes the, I think changes the tone a bit. Like you we like we said, it was like kind of one tone throughout the whole album, but it, it lifts us back up a little bit. And I think that can be chalked up to the instrumentation because you're right. Just the emotional values of some of these songs, it does kind of shift and shape throughout the record. And you have songs uh, like We Can Get Down, which was a nice little dance track, which is what follows Midnight. So even if the instrumentation is relatively the same, I think both We Can Get Down and actually that whole trio of songs, if you look at We Can Get Down, Electric Relaxation and Clap Your Hands are in a really strong trio of songs, Clap Your Hands, actually, other than Midnight, might have been my favorite song on the album. Mm. What song was that you said? It was Clap Your Hands? Yes. Yeah, that comes yeah. Uh, in between uh, Electric Relaxation and Oh My God. So it's sandwiched in between two singles. I thought Clap Your Hands was just as strong as elect- Electric Relaxation. I mean, that's one if I'm putting together the album. I think I would like Clap Your Hands to be a single. Oh yeah, I, it was it was definitely really fun. It kind of can stand alone, but it also fits well in the running order. Um, it it does pick you back up. It's one of those like electric electric relax. Can't talk. Electric relaxation is kind of this like moody jam. It just kind of like has a, a slower cadence to it. Then clap your hands, picks it right back up again. And I think that that it's like the perfect placement in the album. There's another cluster of songs as we continue. There's Keep It Rolling, The Chase Part 2, and Lyrics to Go. None of these particularly stood out to me as being really strong songs. I do like Keep It Rolling in the last verse by Large Professor. Uh, Jack, did you did you care for any of these? Did any of these make a big impression on you? Oh, I agree with you completely about the the Chase Part 2 and Lyrics to Go. Kind of, kind of uh, having the same exact message, but you know, definitely showcasing different beats. And I do think the beats are very fun and um, they do make you move, but the subject matter is exactly the same as the earlier songs in the album. I like in the chase part two, there is a line and we, we talked about uh, the rap career 
it is a career at this point of Jake mm-hmm. Paul and just kind of uh, the, the bastardization of the genre to some extent. And there is a line in the chase part two, which Fife says, uh, yeah, I know it looks pathetic. Ali Shaheed Muhammad got me doing calisthenics. And just knowing that that wordplay is there, that that rhyme structure is there. It is a bummer to think at least on the commercial level what has happened to hip-hop because this album became a commercial success. I mean, after uh, their prior record and and Midnight Marauders was the tribe's third album, this was a commercial hit. I mean, a war tour was a song that, you know, peaked at number 47 on the Billboard Hot 100. This was, to an extent, commercial rap in a time where the charts are largely dominated by Ice Cube and we see early Biggie and early Tupac. So, we're in this mid-90s range of gangster rap really taking over the commercial scene, but you have this very wise, uh, very poetic album that kind of differentiates itself a little bit, and that line, uh, to arrive pathetic with calisthenics, did make me yearn for something greater in the commercial hip-hop landscape today. Oh yeah, I mean, now you got songs like It's Every Day, Bro. <laughs> That's there's literally no fun line after that. He just repeats himself. This is that's YouTube rap. I'm going to put that in its own category. That's that's exactly what it is. I feel like we have. Thank you for making that good point. We have evolved not past SoundCloud rap, but SoundCloud rap has evolved into a new genre of YouTube rap. It's everyday, bro. Obviously, the song famous for the British rapper saying England is my city. That is the (laughs) line more than anything that sticks out to me. I there is something if we want to dive into the team 10 verse here for just a second. I know this is a tribe called Quest podcast, but <laughs> you can't talk about you can't talk about tribe without talking about Jake Paul. Let's They're be pretty honest. much synonymous <laughs> at this point. Like they both like totally build off each other. I love there, there's something about the it's everyday bro music video where I watch it and I understand all of these kids are rich. I wouldn't have been friends with these kids in high school. I hate them now. I would have hated them then. The specific production of that music video i watch it and i'm like you know what i get it it's not for me but i could see how other people might think this is super cool because that music video has done super well and jack pogan that's one of my hottest takes you know me i bring the heat the fact that i'm okay with the it's everyday bro music video and i'm actually like you know guys it's not that bad maybe my hottest take Oh, yeah. No, you know that they're appealing to like the eight and nine year olds out there who like, I want to be a YouTuber as my career. Like, that's an impossible thing. I'm sorry. It's like close to winning the lottery (laughs) to like make a living on YouTube is really hard. It's just a heads up to anybody else. I'm making a fat zero (laughs) dollars doing videos for 11 people. So, yeah, it's not an easy it's not an easy road. And just just because you got cool cars and you say it's every day, bro. I mean, that, that's like not a very good message to spread to the youth. It's sad that they call themselves influencers, but that is YouTube rap for you summed up. I do love some I do love some YouTube rap. I will say there's some like comedy tracks from Cody Co and Noah Miller that I think are funny. Don't mean to veer off too far. No, please. But, yeah, I do think that it's I do think that they actually care about the music that they make versus just saying like this one's going to get a lot of views you know obviously the term influencer is unfortunate given who holds that mantle uh perhaps perhaps influencers uh should be looking at the lord above they should be looking at christ almighty (laughs) and they should be looking at the final song on the album god lives through where we hear buster rhymes again i think it's a super strong track but after 14 songs of this it is very much just another good song on a very good album. There's a million MCs that claim they want some, but see, I create sounds that make your ears go numb. Peace to see zap, yeah, you know how we go. My best friend Steven at the Home Depot. Laurel is in the house, I can't forget Southside. Walk past some seas like that girl did the far side. I'm labeled as the cat's meow, the MC with the know how. Act like you know, not now, but right now. I agree. I do think it's good. I wouldn't call it like the best one. I do think it's a good way to end it. But I do think the the samples are the impressive part. Uh, I read that they uh, sampled five different jazz tracks and just compiled them into one. I think that is like the most unique thing. I think they kind of revolutionized like how layered beats can be uh, going forward. And this definitely like lives true to that. So 
this is an album that I you cannot tell the story of hip hop as we know it without this record. I talked about the Jay-Z references earlier. Uh, Kanye West and the song The Glory makes reference to the award tour. And then you look later on in the tr- uh, uh, on the album on a song like Clap Your Hands in which they're name dropping, you know, people like Tupac and Dr. Seuss and Laverne and Shirley. This album felt present. It felt very real. And I think... Uh, not to continue to clown on current hip-hop, but I do feel like a lot of rappers think if I take one proper noun and make it rhyme with another, that is good enough. And, and mm-hmm. Tribe certainly does not do that, but in a song like Clap Your Hands, where they're really pulling all of these names out of thin air, I did find it to be very impressive. The word the wordplay is just a whole layer above saying like, oh, what rhymes with fart? Let me let me rhyme something with fart. Like they actually care and they try to tell a story through it. Jack, we've touched on all 14 songs on the U.S. version of this album. Uh, international releases had a few other songs mixed in there. I did not pay attention to those. I think we've got our 14 there. Is there anything that we missed on this album? Anything that I glossed over that you would like to bring up before uh, we get into the final thoughts of Midnight Marauders? Wow, uh, I do, I do have to just say some of Five Dogs' lines are hilarious. Like I laughed out loud reading the lyrics uh, on "Oh My God." He says, "I like my beats hard, like two day old shit." <laughs> It's like, come on. <laughs> you, you just have to giggle at that. And the sick Barney reference on Keep It Rolling, the, I think Fife literally just says, I love you, you love me, like Barney would, the childhood hero. Oh, the purple dinosaur. I'm, the purple Jack dinosaur. Bogan, I'm well aware. I, I know my <laughs> Barney quite well. You know Barney? You know who I'm talking about? <laughs> you know that guy? He's a little bit underground. I don't know if you know him or not. <laughs> but yeah, that's pretty much it. I just, I really... I enjoy the listen like all together. I could listen to it from start to finish and not skip a track. I know that sounds like uh, there's a lot of different instances where uh, you could listen to different albums and um, want to skip songs. I don't know, but well, I enjoyed it. I, yes, I, I think that is, you know, a, a high compliment to especially, you know, I always struggle a little bit with albums in the hip hop genre because Typically, there is just so much on there, and, and I am someone that preaches typically I like shorter songs, I like shorter albums, let me digest the content, but I, I gotta be able to get through it. If you're putting 24 songs and six skits on an album, it's just not, it's too hard for me to consume, but this is 14 songs, it's just back-to-back-to-back consistency. I should let you know, Jack, that this album upon release it received an A from Entertainment Weekly, a 7 out of 10 from the NME Across the Pond, a 4 out of 5 from The Source, and a 2 out of 5 from Rolling Stone. The Rolling Stone review written by Glenn Kinney uh, says the music styling or the music still had its moments, but nothing approaches the re- uh, revelatory jazz stylings and laid back cool of past work. Sadly, the skizzy Midnight Marauder suggests that at this point, the band might be more accurately called a tribe called Flounder. Now, with that in mind, Jack, I'm going to give you the opportunity to right the wrongs that were made in this review. If you had to give Midnight Marauders a rating out of 10, and you can use decimals, whatever you want, I just need a numerical value out of 10. What are we giving this album? Wow. A tribe called Flounder? That's not even punny. The guy's like, whatever, it's a flounder. I'm angry. Uh, I would give this, I would give this a, probably an eight to an 8.5 out of 10. Um, I also rate things without any real criticism whatsoever. I'm like, it was beautiful. 10 out of 10. Everything is just like awesome. But I was so, I would give this like an 8.5 out of 10. And I can understand how it would probably receive criticism because their previous albums did have more, um, I don't know, you get to know them a little more and you, you're, you're discovering who they are. And now that they've, they've had this commercial success, I feel like that happens with a lot of bands and a lot of artists when you, you, you just under more criticism when you become more popular. Um, but I do think that this is a little bit one dimensional, like the subject matter in the songs may have not been as impactful as the previous records. So I do think an 8.5 out of 10 is strong here. Absolutely. I think that is a very fair rating for this record. I know a lot of the, Critical complaints at the time were uh, were that Tribe considered themselves to be a very positive rap group. And again, kind of deflecting away from the gangster rap scene, uh, a lot of artists with guns, 
bragging about, you know, I'm not going to say committing crimes like I'm a, like I'm a normal white person. I'm just going to say, like, <laughs> the, the tone of Tribe was very different than the tone of Ice Cube. And there were critics that that felt like maybe Tribe drifted a little bit away from that positivity and they became something that they didn't necessarily set out to be. But I like the record. I think it's strong. Jack, I thank you for having me sit down and listen to this album. What, what I need to know from you is, and you're new to Tribe, it's not like you have these years and years of emotional investment to it, but given given that, who needs to hear this album and why? Hmm. I feel like if, if, you, if you're looking to study for long hours of the day, if you're looking to study, if you're looking to sit at a desk for eight hours or to sit indoors and you have a task to do, let's say you want to clean your apartment, you want to clean your house, you want to run a mile. First time you've run a mile in your life, put on this album and you will run that mile. You don't even have to listen to the lyrics, but the beats alone will get you excited enough. And I think that there's just something different about this album in particular over their previous two that just has more movement and excitement to it. And it is, it feels a little bit more poppy. I know they don't want to call themselves pop artists at all. They do take digs at that. They do mention how they want to be spreading positivity, but let's just say you got a task to do. This is the album to put on. Jack Pogan, I will be working out to this album in the future. I hope one day I look like you and I am going to attribute it all to this album. If that happens, yo, case, what'd you do? Well, I talked to Jack Pogan and I listened to a tribe called quest and now I look uh, better than I ever have. But Jack, Uh, that brings us to the end of the show. I believe I only, uh, proceeded with one uh, microaggression towards your physical appearance that I'm very jealous of. So this was a positive all around, uh, Feel free to plug uh, your social media, your YouTube channel. What would you like the people to know about? Now is your time to share. Awesome. The such kind words. I'm eating a lot of stuffed French toast now, Case. So my body is turning into a piece of bubble gum. So I appreciate the really nice words, but it's not what you think it is. I'm glad you're kind of changed me. Kind of going to my team now. Something a little bit more attainable. <laughs> something a little bit more realistic. Team Bubblegum Bod. Yeah, that's the way it is. <laughs> um. Yeah, so if you'd like to follow me on Instagram, it's at Jack Pogan. You can follow me on YouTube. It's just Jack Pogan on YouTube. I make a lot of interesting cooking videos now. I guess I'm on a food kick. Who knows? Um, Another plug uh, I'd like to say is uh, my buddy Mohawk Johnson. Uh, I used to work with him at Second City before it got shut down. He was at a protest not too long ago and was – defending himself against a police officer and was – I believe he was wrongfully arrested and – He's going through a lot of bullshit right now. And uh, if you just want to follow the trending hashtag free Mohawk, you can look on Facebook hashtag free Mohawk there uh, free Mohawk on Instagram, just to be a little bit more informed and see what you can do to help. Absolutely. I recommend anybody in the Chicago area to educate themselves on that situation. As for me, I'm always on both Twitter and Instagram at underscore case low, C-A-S-E-L-O-W-E. The podcast itself can be found on Instagram at Art School Albums. And this week, please turn your attention to the Immigrant Defense Project, if at all possible, on ImmigrantDefenseProject.org. They have the toolkit to combating ice raids and hopefully at some point thwarting the existence of ice altogether. Uh, There are just numerous uh, civil rights, human liberties, Uh, violations. I don't know. There's no excuse to treat people, uh, especially children, uh, the way they do. But we have uh, somehow accepted that as a country, and it is something that does need to stop at some point. So once again, if you you would like to check out the Immigrant Defense Project, they are taking donations, and you can educate yourself there for free. Uh, Obviously, uh, keep a tab on the uh, Mohawk uh, situation in Chicago. And Jack Pogan, I would like to thank you for joining me on the Art School Albums Podcast. This has been a Tribe Called Quest, Midnight Marauders. This concludes Midnight Marauder program. Press any key to return to the main menu.